Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, this is Sharon Wegman from Wellspring Solutions in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. This is our first podcast in a long time. Mostly because we keep having problems every time we record <laughs> podcasts, including today. So whatever this, we're going to be talking about gaslighting today. And obviously there's a bunch of people who need to hear this because it's what uh, we really feel like. And this is our fourth time actually trying to record yes, this. It is. And we've had problems after problems. So again, my name is Sharon Wegman. I'm a licensed professional counselor in Wyomissing, PA, and the practice is Wellspring Solutions, and I am joined by one of my counselors here. Her name is Ina Gould. Ina, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Hi, everyone. So, my, as Sharon said, my name is Ina. Um, I am. This topic is really near and dear to my heart. Um, I love working um, with couples. Um, I love doing marriage counseling and relationship counseling. Um, and my real passion is working. Um, with uh, men and women and helping them to find their true, authentic self. Yes, so Ina really does a lot of work in regards to marriages. And between the two of us, we probably deal with a lot of individuals who are being gaslit. Um, It's a very common thing. And what is gaslighting? Gaslighting is a psychologically... It's a psychological tool that's attempting to manipulate a person or even a group of people into changing their behavior. Um, And it does that by targeting the individual, um, by making them question their memory, their perception, their judgment. It's basically trying to make a person not feel confident in whatever they believe in this situation. And the term gaslight comes I don't know if it occurred before this, but there was a famous movie back in the 1940s called Gaslight. And in it, uh, it was a movie with uh, Ingrid Bergman. And her husband was trying to convince her that she was insane by constantly manipulating things in the house and situations to make her feel like she was crazy. And the Gaslight is specifically a famous scene in the movie in which she walks out of the room, the lights are one thing, she comes back into the room, he has turned down the gas lighting in all of in all the lights, and in turn she's like, what happened? The lights are dimmer. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So gaslighting involves lots of deception, and it's a huge thing that we deal with in lots of situations. Yes. And very often I'll have clients and and one of the kind of telltale signs of um, somebody who's being gaslit, they'll describe who they were before the relationship. And they'll say, you know, I used to be very self-confident and very self-assured and very Mm -hmm. vivacious. And now I feel like I'm a shell of who I used to be. Um, And that's one of the telltale signs because gaslighting will cause someone to question their own reality, question their own judgment. And like Sharon said, there's just a lot of deception involved in it. Yeah, and 
emotional and psychological abuse in that uses gaslighting is probably the hardest type of abuse to recognize. It's so much, a person can easily recognize that when their spouse slaps them across their face, that was physical abuse, right? Or if someone calls them a name, like you're a, a very bad name and accuses them of ridiculous behavior, they can say that's verbal abuse. Or if they're being raped um, or inappropriately used sexually, they can label that as sexual abuse. However, when we go to the emotional abuse of this and the psychological tools that are used in gaslighting, it's just harder to identify because how you perceive things appears to be very different than how the other person's perceiving things. And so it's a it's a, of all the types of abuses, it is the hardest one to recognize as abuse. Because people will label it when they come in here. Well, we just always have differences of opinion. We're always arguing. And they'll label it that way because their abuser has labeled it that way for them. And so it's uh, harder for people to identify those types of things. Um, any thoughts on that? Um, yes. So... One of the things, there's, there's always so much confusion um, surrounding gaslighting um, and a lot of blame. So I have clients that come to me and say, you know, um, I, I just should have done things differently, you know. And then when we are unpacking, well, what should you have done differently and what were the options that you had? Um, it looks a lot different. It looks very different because it really, you can kind of, once you start to unpack it, you can realize that it's really, this is a, a trick of manipulation. Yeah. Um, so, and so like the primary symptom for most people is confusion. And I will even have that in sessions when I'm, when I'm interviewing a couple and the information isn't lining up with how I'm experiencing or my thought line of how I've been analyzing it. And suddenly it's taking a whole different turn. And I come out of a session or within the session, I recognize I'm confused. This person is manipulating me and I need to figure it out. So that's the primary sign of it. But in addition um, these individuals will always be second-guessing their decisions. Um, and why? The reason why they're constantly second-guessing their decision is because the gaslighter is constantly telling them it's the wrong decision or why it's what, what they should have done differently, right. what they should be doing. Um, so that's, that's a symptom of it. And often um, the, um, the person who's being gaslit feels as though they're responsible to read the gaslighter's mind, um, to figure out what it is the gaslighter needs, um, and they're, they failed at figuring that out. Um, gaslighters also demand a lot of apologies from people. So you get into the habit of constantly apologizing and, I, and when they come in, by the time they come into my room, I'm like, um, you don't have to say you're sorry for sneezing or, <laughs> or whatever. Right. I'm const they are doing a lot of apologizing for be things that they don't even have to apologize for. But because of the setting that they've been in, they are constantly doing that. 
Yeah. One of the things, Sharon, that stands out to me the most is that when someone has been gaslit for a length of time, they find it very hard to make decisions. And again, going back, Mm -hmm. last, if somebody was, you know, very self-assured, their self-confidence has been really affected by this emotional abuse. And then they find it hard to make decisions on their own. So a lot of times they become reliant and dependent on the person who is doing the gaslighting. And that's all in an effort for the gas, the person who is doing the gaslighting to gain power and control. Absolutely. So obviously this kind of describes the self-esteem and the symptomology of knowing that you're being gaslit. Um, And you just feel like you're a disappointment to everyone. Um, I'll have clients who are constantly thanking me for just very simple things Mm -hmm. like responding to an email or whatever. But that's Mm -hmm. because they've been told they're not thankful. Mm -hmm. That's that's why, and and the the sad part of it is most of the individuals who are easily gaslit Mm -hmm. are the givers. Like I always separate the world out between givers and takers. You're one or the other. And so the givers are often the ones who are easily convinced that they are the per, the problem in the situation because their giving personality makes them want to please other people. Mm-hmm. They want mm-hmm. to be a ple- blessing. They want to be a pleasure to other people. So um, it's sad, but those are the individuals who are frequently gaslit. Takers wouldn't put up with that kind of stuff, <laughs> which is so sad. Yeah. Uh, so let's kind of like list what would be examples of what people would say that what are typical gaslighting sim- you know, like uh, mm-hmm. words. Um, so obviously blatant lying, um, hiding, hiding things. I'll, I'll say a lie mm-hmm. is a lie if you're purposely deceiving a person by not telling them something. Or if I'm purposing to lie to get to manipulate a person, mm-hmm. or if I'm lying about, oh, why are you home late? You didn't tell me. They'll make up, they'll say traffic, but they say traffic 60 times in a row. Right. There's That's, that's a yeah. lie. <laughs> but the thing is with this, it's blatant lying that makes you question your own reality. Yes. You know, you, if, let's say, um, you're uh, the, the person who's gaslighting you, took something out of a room and you saw him or her take that out of the room and then they come back and say, oh no, I didn't take that. And you know for a fact you saw this person take this object. And so then it makes you think, similar to the movie, that you're going crazy and that this was not your reality and that you're almost seeing things. And that becomes the confusion that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. I I equate it to... (laughs) A simple analogy would be like, I call it the man look in my house. This, mm-hmm. my, my, the men in my house, they're not blatantly trying to deceive me. Uh-huh. <laughs> or they're blatantly telling me it's not in there. And I'm like, if I go in there and I find it, I'm going to, and I do, oh, I do. But that's a man look. That's different mm-hmm. than a, perp- a person who's hiding something all the time to protect themselves. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I did put that away. No, you can't, that person wouldn't be able to admit anything like that. Um, Whatever you say, they deny, right? We already said that, kind of, sort of. Mm -hmm. But um, maybe 
using what you love against you. Uh, that would mean if I like my job, they would then blame my job on my character flaws, or I, they would blame, um, you know, the t the money it costs for me to put gas in my car to go see my grandmother. Mm -hmm. uh, whatever I love, they're using against me to try and manipulate me into compliance with them. Right. And that might even look like when, you know, they're always, when you have young children come into your relationship, and they're always going to be these changes. And ideally, you want both uh, parents to work together. Um, but if, in fact, somebody's being gaslit, the child might even be used um, where mm -hmm. it, it could look like, well, you were a really good wife until you became a mother. And so now you're a mother, and that's, you know, um, that's all there is to your life. And that's using something that you love. You're maybe you're just figuring out how to be a good mom. And this person is using that against you and saying, well, you're not good at anything else except this. Yes, that's so true. Uh, a lot of projection. Um, usually if whatever they're saying is really what they struggle with. So it's so funny because over the years, I don't know how many times I've had clients in which they were being gaslit, but they, the person who was the gaslighter would then project onto their spouse, oh, you're always trying to manipulate me because they set boundaries or they would blame the other person. They would say the other person is a narcissist when they themselves were a narcissist. Exactly. And so there's always a projection. So when people are hearing that and you're a giver, again, you begin to question yourself in this process. Am I the problem? Am mm -hmm. I really, am I really the narcissist? Am I really doing this? But the projection is what's so confusing. Yes. Because it's obviously present in the relationship, but they're projecting it onto the other person. Mm -hmm. So there's often um, people who are being gaslit are very stressed out all the time. Yes. Um, they're very extremely stressed. Um, and it, it's as a result of being on this emotional roller coaster. Yes. They have a yeah. lot of anxiety because they're mm -hmm. constantly walking on eggshells. Yes. Around whoever, around that person. Um, maybe even, um, uh, let's say the gas leader also uses, um, love, we call it love bombing, mm, yeah. which is I use lots of love and flattery to get you to back down, to trust me again, to allow me to do something. But again, I'm using love and flattery as a tool of manipulation instead of just loving a person yeah. just affirming a person and those relationships often start out with love bombing yes, that person will the, this person who is a gaslighter will figure out all of the things that make you happy and love bomb you and then all of a sudden that just kind of drops away and that's when the gaslighting starts because you've left yourself vulnerable and now they know those wonderful things that like, those those vulnerabilities your vulnerabilities so um, and then you'll see it again in the relationship. You know, when you're stressed and in this emo on this emotional roller coaster, you'll be love bombed to kind of bring you back and keep you in the relationship. Absolutely. So it's very difficult to set boundaries with love bombers. Um, however severe those boundaries are, 
when they can't cross those boundaries, they will try to use love bombing to get you to change your boundary. So say somebody is being verbally abused and they leave the house. Um, That person then receives a lot of love bombing from their spouse as a means of trying to get that person to let down the boundaries and move back towards them. Very, very common. Um, And so some of the phrases that they might use are, um, yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, and these, the phrases, I think it's so important for us to talk about these phrases because um, these are phrases that are very, very common. They're ones that people will hear repeatedly, like, you're crazy, you have mental health issues, you need help, mm-hmm. always. And that's, again, to keep that person from feeling as though they they, they have any self-worth. Absolutely. Um, They will often blame you to be insecure and jealous. And how I explain Mm -hmm. it to people is most gaslighters have very poor self. um, They have some things that happened to them in their childhood. And so it's like they're a child within an adult body. And they can't hear things that are hard. So when they're insecure, they'll blame you. They'll say you're insecure. Mm -hmm. When they're jealous, they'll say you're jealous. And you're confused because you know you're not jealous. You know you're not insecure. And yet, because you're the giver, you're trying to figure it out and try and think, is this true about me? So, um, yeah, you're insecure. You're jealous. You're too sensitive. Right. You're Mm -hmm. overreacting. Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said that if you hadn't provoked me. Yes. Right. So, again, that guilt, that blame, it's your fault, not mine. And or even like saying, oh, that was just a joke. You can't take a joke. What's, what's wrong with you? You, have, you can't take a joke. That mm-hmm. was a joke. Well, here's the thing. Manipula- manipulation or v- emotional and psychological abuse is never a joke. No. Mm-hmm. However... When somebody says, oh, I was just joking, you could literally second guess yourself into saying, well, maybe that's okay for them. Mm-hmm. You know, again, so much in how you perceive the world has changed. Um, any, uh, any other thoughts or any other phrases you're thinking of? Um, that never happened. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, that never happens. That again, denying your reality. Uh, you're aware. You're aware of the ev- of events. Like when you're when you're involved in something, you're aware. So it's um, really damaging when somebody tells you, "Well, that that never happened. I never did that." And very often, somebody who is a gaslighter will um, will not accept no for an answer. Yeah. Because you're imagining things. Right. Because you, I never said that. I never did that. So it's so, or even if they do agree to something, they may well agree to something. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I will go to marriage counseling. No, I didn't agree to that. That never happened. Exactly. (laughs) Right. At the last minute. I always, I tell clients um, when they're in a relationship that might be questionable, might be an emotionally abusive um, relationship, I tell them, say no. Test be them. authentic. Say no, and then 
see what happens. If you don't want to participate in something, <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> if you don't want to participate in something, say no and see what the reaction is. Are you accepted for being able to have your own mind? Um, or are you manipulated? Or does this person try to convince you to do what it is you don't want to do? Right. And say no multiple times. Yes. To multiple things. Right. That's, that's the that's <laughs> not the, just once. <laughs> that's the ultimate test because they might be able to endure no no once. Yes. But they may they will not endure no multiple times. And so, oh, they passed the test. No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Because it has to happen multiple times. Remember a pattern of response is what our truth is so right so when a person displays a pattern of not being able to accept no over and over and over that's 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 something we need to pay attention to um and and i guess the last one that i'm thinking of is they really push for quick forgiveness Mm, uh, you need to let it go that happened in the past why do you keep bringing this up they keep bringing this up because they're not being heard right they're not being validated mm-hmm. they're being told they're crazy so they keep bringing it up so that they can't that person they really can't heal the person who's being victimized really can't heal in that situation Meanwhile, the gaslighter has already moved on, and they're lighting other fires. <laughs> and, they, and they just want you—they just want you to just move on quickly in the place of forgiveness and stop bringing it up. Why do you keep bringing this up? Right. Um, along those lines, I wanted to go back to something that you said. I just finally remembered what it was. Mm-hmm. In that love bombing phase, what often happens is this person who is the love bomber and using gaslighting to manipulate you into lowering your boundaries or your standards or your beliefs very quickly, these individuals can really hold good behavior for a certain number of months and Mm -hmm. they will be amazing. And I say to every one of my people that come in here, those gaslighters are the most amazing person you've ever met. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) They can put on a giving show like no other person, which, of course, as a therapist, anytime I meet somebody like that, I'm immediately suspicious. But but for other people who don't know to be suspicious, particularly uh, like religious people, they might think this is this is God. Right. This is such Mm -hmm. a God connection. This Mm -hmm. is such a or this is fate. This is and so people who are spiritual or religious really will involve those beliefs in discounting their their beliefs on marriage counseling, discounting their beliefs on how long they need to wait before they get married, all of those things. So suddenly you're throwing your boundaries out the window in that love bombing phase and they can maintain really good behavior for a certain number of months, but eventually you're going to see it. Um, And it's very, one of the things that, you know, um, I think about that once after that phase is over, that love bombing in the beginning of the relationship is over, um, they move towards a place where they're, you know, they start gaslighting and it starts very slowly. It's not all of a sudden. It starts very slowly, and then you you start to question your reality, and there's just a little bit of confusion. But because you're just coming out of this love bombing, um, you're um, more apt to to say to blame yourself and to take on that guilt. Yes, yes, yes. 
So, um, yeah, so now that you're kind of crying in your home or car as you listen to this, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some strategies of how to extinguish gaslighting. Um, the number one thing that I encourage people to do is to keep a daily journal of events of that day, particularly events that brought confusion to them. I want them to start documenting and writing a daily journal of things that are confusing to them so they start picking up the pattern. Right. right. Oh, it's every time I interact mm -hmm. with her, I suddenly am very confused. Yes. Oh, it's whenever I have a discussion about this, I right. am suddenly very confused. I want people to be documenting what's mm -hmm. going on in their day right. so that they don't continue to question their sanity. I also tell people to keep a journal of the lies. Um, of I tell them to... To take, well, one of the things that um, I recommend is that when that person, you write two pieces of paper, when that person tells you a blatant lie, um, you write it down and then you rip it up and you throw it in the garbage because that's where it belongs. And that's kind of, that's like a way of liberating yourself from that lie and not letting it stick to you. Sure. And, and eventually what will happen as a result of the documentation process is it's not going to affect you as much because then when you start recognizing the pattern and in your head you're saying, oh, here we go again. Okay, now I know what they're doing. And you are going to respond differently as a result of that documentation and release process because you're going to start recognizing it faster. So that's number one. Yeah. I think it's really important um, for the person who is experiencing the gaslighting to remember that it isn't about him or her. It's not about, it's not about you. If you're being gaslit, this is not about you. It really has to do with the deficiencies of the gaslighter and the fact that the gaslighter is looking for control and power over you. Absolutely. Um, and that can even, that control or power is really when they feel insecure, they're going to start doing love bombing. They're going to start pushing back. But it looks different with different people. They, um, even my people pleaser gaslighters will just gaslight, gaslight, gaslight in doing amazing, amazing, amazing. And then you're just supposed to move on. Mm -hmm. um, but people who are more overt in it they're going to just start pushing because they can't feel anxious they don't want to feel anxious so they're gaslighting you to cause you to stop them from feeling anxious all right so just you got to keep reminding yourself that gaslighting isn't about you it's about that gaslighters need to control their anxiety mm -hmm. they don't want to feel anxious so they're going to do behaviors to make you change your behavior so they don't feel anxious. As opposed to self-monitoring, self-care, they're trying to get other people to change their behavior so they don't feel anxious and they feel in control of their world. Sharon, I really want to talk about what happens. Somebody hears this video and they realized, wow, I am being gaslit. What should they do? Should they go to the person? Do you think it's helpful to tell the person, hey, you're gaslighting me? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But, and, we, and we always encourage people to go to therapy because um, therapy is going to be so important to help make you make the changes you need in your boundaries, in your self-care, and all of those things, and beginning to recognize things. 
I just encourage people to read lots of books. And I know you're going to have a group coming up. I sure am. I'm really so, looking forward to so, it. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that at the very end so everybody can go back and easily find that in the podcast. Okay. Um, so it's really important to remember that we can't, that you cannot change the gaslighter. So I was joking before when I said, do you go to this person and say, hey, you're <laughs> gaslighting me? <laughs> yeah. No, no. This information is for you to empower you so that you can get out of that brain fog and into a place where you are empowered um, and you can stop the confusion and stop having somebody have control and power over your life. Yeah, and it's it's that's a it's a big change in your relationship when that happens because suddenly the gaslighter is losing power in your relationship because you now recognize what they're doing, and they might start throwing more fits mm-hmm. than usual, right? <laughs> Which is really upsetting, but mm-hmm. it's the very thing that uh, you as you get strong as your core strength builds, it's not going to be as damaging as if you were not strong. Um, and that's where you have to decide when this person continues to push back harder and harder and harder, what is the cost to you? Right. Does it put you in bed for several days? Does it cause you to not be able to eat for a week? Mm -hmm. How is it impacting your children? We have to really weigh out the cost. Is this person taking more life Mm -hmm. from you? Or giving more life to you. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the spiritual design is for them to give life to you. Right. Right, not to be taking and taking and taking so you're drained. Right. And so the other question is, does this cause self-hatred? Does this cause you to look at yourself and no longer like who you are? Absolutely. You're not going to like who you are. And so you need other people around you who can help you rebuild your Mm self-esteem and remind you who you are, that you are lovable, and that you're okay, and that you're good. And that's true in here. Like every Mm -hmm. single one of our individuals who is in the position of being victimized by a gaslighter, they have to literally form a new support system to literally take in the truth. And, And what we often say is, is that the only person in your world that's saying that to you if that's the truth and everyone else experiences you as this giving individual then that needs to be your truth absolutely yeah and so and so to build on that right create a very strong support system um john townsend and henry cloud talk about safe people and they identify safe people as people that um you can go to where you don't you don't feel that you're going to be criticized or judged um they don't harm you emotionally um so i i'd really recommend people to um i really huh really recommend um, that people would look into identifying what are the characteristics of safe people. Um, One that always sticks out in my mind is that um, when someone apologizes, because a gaslighter will apologize on occasion, but does the behavior change? Right. And so that's what makes that person unsafe for you. The behavior doesn't change. Right. And so you look for those, again, what we were talking about, those patterns. If an apology doesn't have change behavior that lasts longer than two weeks. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. It's not really an apology. Yes. It's words, again, used to manipulate you into compliance in this situation. 
So obviously we encourage everybody to go to therapy and maybe a good podcast for us to do next time would be just talking about what defines safe people. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, Townsend and Cloud are the kings of safe people, but we can probably contribute to what that looks like in fleshing it out in a short podcast. Um, But also Ina is going to be running a podcast not a podcast. Not a podcast. <laughs> a group. A group. A Zoom group. A Zoom group because mm-hmm. we still have a lot of people who are social distancing and rightfully so due to secondary symptoms and mm-hmm. problems that they might have. Mm-hmm. So we're writing a lot of groups via Zoom right now. So Ina will be starting a Zoom group on gaslighting. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to unpack. Um, we, it's actually going to be in three sections. So the first section is um, a lot of what we talked about in this. It's kind of expanding on what we talked about, recognizing um when you're being gaslit, common phrases, we even, believe it or not, there's even more. Yes. Um, so there are even more than we than we came, than we um, included in this podcast. So we're going to do, that's going to be the first. And then it's going, we're going to, um, so the first is recognizing. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of that is rebuilding your self-esteem. Because what what we've talked about now has been, you know, that confusion and that um, questioning yourself and questioning your own reality. So then we've got to work on building your self-esteem. And then finally, the last section is going to be the future. Where do you go from here? How to have healthy relationships and what exactly do those healthy relationships look like? Exactly, because anyone who's been in this kind of a relationship is scared out of their mind to enter another relationship for fear that it'll happen again Mm -hmm. because it's cost them so much in the past so what i'm going to suggest is for if you as you listen to this podcast go on to our facebook page or our instagram page which is wellspring solutions llc um and On that page, you will find pinned at the top of that page information on um, upcoming groups. So if you don't see it pinned at the top of the page, you will know that Ina's group has not started. But I'm thinking probably... By the beginning of July, that group will be able to run because we got to get some promo stuff in place. So... um, If you're interested in that, um, also we're interested in speaking at various events. So if you'd like to, you can find out further information on our website about that at wellspringsolutions.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day, guys. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Wellbeing with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringssolutions.com.